You're listening to episode 52 with Jay McCarg, CEO of Aerosafe Global. You're listening to The Multiplier Effect, an Endeavor podcast. We also celebrate small failures. It sounds crazy, but we need to keep doing things better. Even when things are overwhelming, you have to find a better way to do it so you're not doing monumental tasks every day. And for someone to try to improve something internally and it doesn't work, we have to celebrate that person for making the effort. And and it encourages more innovation, more innovation. Now we can't fail in front of the customer. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to an all-new episode of The Multiplier Effect. We have a few housekeeping announcements as as we are quickly approaching the annual Endeavor Summit, September 22nd through 24th. You're invited to join our global network of inspiring entrepreneurs and international industry leaders for a three-day virtual summit focused on our season three topic of hiring for scale. 2020 changed the way we work. How founders attract, engage, and retain top talent is rapidly evolving, and together, We will reimagine the future of recruiting and hiring through dynamic sessions exploring new technology, tools, and trends that are shaping the future of work. The event is free to all entrepreneurs who are looking to engage with peers across our U.S., regional, Canada, and Ireland offices. Head to the multiplier-effect-podcast.org to register today. And to kick things off this Friday, we have an exciting new episode to share as we were joined by our Western New York team. And Jay McCarg, Endeavor Entrepreneur and CEO of Aerosafe Global. Aerosafe provides end-to-end cold chain as a service solutions to the biopharmaceutical industry. Aerosafe leverages its proprietary temperature-controlled packaging products with its best-in-class supply chain management services to offer valuable solutions to address long-standing challenges when shipping life-saving temperature-sensitive medicines. Aerosafe has grown significantly in recent years under McCarg's leadership and is positioned to amplify its value-added services to an industry who is at the center of the world's attention right now. And today on the show, Alan asks Jay how he's managed hiring his C-suite, how Aerosafe's talent acquisition strategy has shifted to attract the best talent during the pandemic, and he also speaks to future strategies for physical space and how this complements his plans for growth as Aerosafe is nearing completion of a significant expansion of their Rochester HQ when many companies are cutting back their footprint. So Alan, take it away. All right, Jay McCarg from Aerosafe Global, thank you so much for joining us today on the Multiplier Effect podcast. Really excited to have this conversation with you. Appreciate you taking the time. And I think it'd be great if you, we could spend just a minute to, to start. If you could share with the audience just what is Aerosafe Global. You guys have a, a really interesting business model, and especially the times we're living in today, you guys play a, a really important role in, in the biopharmaceutical industry. So if you could sh- spend 60, 90 seconds introducing the company, that'd be awesome. Thanks, Alan. It's a real pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. At Aerosafe, we... We improve patient lives by ensuring the safe, sustainable delivery and effective use of biopharmaceutical products. And what I, how we do that is by developing proprietary thermal packaging, wrapping it with software and logistics services to help our biopharma customers ship temperature sensitive products. And so you can imagine, you know, with, with our experience over the last 15 years, we were well prepared to help with the, with the COVID situation and delivering vaccines around the world is, is a big piece of what we've been doing the last couple of years. Thanks, Jay. So 
We're going to talk, cover a lot of topics around talent. I mean, everyone's talking about talent today in, in various ways, but especially as a company scales as rapidly as yours. We've admired just how positive, positive of a mindset you bring to the workplace, and yet you demand a whole lot from your team. At a time when wellness and mental health is really getting much-needed attention, way more than, than it ever received in the past, how do you as a leader and as an entrepreneur balance the demanding results with the overall well-being of your team? Yeah, that's a tough one because we, you know, we were growing fast before COVID. And then, like I said before, with, with all the, the help we've been offering our, our pharmaceutical and uh, pharmacy customers, it's been even crazy faster, but also with less certainty, less visibility. And so we've had to, to build capabilities out in, in weeks where it would take us months before. We don't have the option for failure. We, we have to get the products there safely. So we have to move faster without compromising quality. And this can be hard on people. And, and it hasn't been just a couple of months. It's been a year and a half now. And it's not, you know, we're grateful for the opportunity to help, but at the same time, it wears people out. And, and what happens in these crazy times is usually your best people take on the most responsibility and even more than they should. So we, we work hard on a couple of things. First is the motivation and source of energy. People have to take care of themselves, but they also have to, they also have to be reminded how important their job is and what they're doing in the grand scheme of things. And so getting accolades from customers on what it means, what we're doing to help the patients, the number of patients we've helped around the world, the sustainability metrics that, that we've impacted, we've helped our customers hit. And just having these monthly and quarterly meetings to, to pull up names like Pfizer and Merck and and CVS and Walgreens to show the impact of what they're doing specifically it gives them that extra sense of purpose and, and gratification when they go home, keeps them motivated. The second piece is really the appreciation. And so calling people out when they do great things, hit certain milestones, whether it's you know what they've done here from a longevity or performance perspective, celebrating successes and, and success of not just people, but teams and departments in front of the entire company. We take more time to do that. We even gave out t-shirts and we called them life changers, everybody here. And we had like Bob Duffy come down and hand them out and tell them how many lives they've impacted per employee. And, and it's, it's, it's super important not to lose focus on, on, on their motivation and success. And the third thing sounds crazy. We also celebrate small failures. It sounds crazy, but we need to keep doing things better. Even when things are overwhelming, you have to find a better way to do it so you're not doing monumental tasks every day. And for someone to try to improve something internally and it doesn't work, we have to celebrate that person for making the effort. And, and it encourages more innovation and more innovation. Now we can't fail in front of the customer, but internally we celebrate that as much as the big successes. That's really, especially the last one, any, any example, you know, you could share of one of those failures that was celebrated, you know, without, uh, you know, calling anybody out, you know, in, in this public forum, but just some, so, somewhere where, you know, really impacted the, the team, you know, positively, even though the, the effort was, you know, quote, you know. So we, at one point we were shipping 10,000 shipments of dry ice a week to CVS and Walgreens. And this is zero to 10,000 in a matter of two months. We never shipped dry ice before. And so we were scooping it by hand, all of these. And so there was a lot of effort to try to eliminate that scooping job, but dry ice is heavy. And, and so guys were developing stuff on the weekends, Alan. I mean it, they were coming in, 
trying these 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 sacks that they could just you know sque- you know tighten the bottom of and pre pre measure. In the end, one of our guys in in maintenance actually built built a piece of equipment over the weekend that measured exactly 30 pounds of dry ice every time and dumped it in a box. And all we had to do was lift up the dry ice bins, thousands of pounds, dump them in the top of this funnel, and out it would come. But the uh, that didn't happen overnight. There were there were weeks of failures before that. And it was it was fun. It was fun to watch. It was fun to see the videos. Obviously, it was very safe, but but that's just an example of people getting energy, right? And having fun in trying and failing and trying and failing and then succeeding and celebrating. That's excellent. Shifting gears a little bit to to hiring. Aerosafe is scaling at a time when the job market is really as hot as as any time in recent memory. So when you're hiring, whether it's in the C-suite, you know, for those, you know, positions that often have a you know, major impact or, or anywhere in the company, how has your talent acquisition strategy shifted in recent months or over the last year to make sure that Aerosafe is, is able to attract the best talent that, that you can find? Yeah, we've hired probably, well, we're, we're close to 300 people now, and I think we've hired at least 150 in the last year. So it's been, it's been pretty busy. And what, what got us here is our core values, the real culture and character of the people. And it took us, a, it, I mean, it sounds funny, but it, it, it took us a while to get to the point where we, where we could say that and work with that. And the, the mistakes we've made in the past is hiring talent over character or hiring experience, right, over motivation. And that's, that's looking at a resume and saying this person's perfect. So we, we, still ha- we still look at their resumes, but we've done a much better job of defining the type of employee we want right up front. And we spent a lot of time on that. And that starts with the vision statement. And then we run it through what we call the people analyzer. And so it's do they get it? Do they want it? And do they have the capacity to do it? You have to check every box. Do they understand the importance of the job and what that job really is? Do they really want to be here? Why would they want to be here? Is that sustainable? And finally, you know, can, can they do it? That's the easy one. Look at the resume. But beyond that, it's, it's the core values. And they have to check every one of these boxes too. And, and for us, it's number one's customer obsessed. If you're not focused on, on that, it's not going to work out. Number two, passionately innovative. You always got to drive to do things better. And that's our number one skill set. Number three is team driven. It's, it's, it's a collective energy. It's, it's, it's appreciating the diversity and the talent of the team and using it to, to your best ability. And number four is exceptional integrity. Does this person have the character to do things the right way every day? And, and this can't be understated because this is the cheat sheet that every single person uses in the company to evaluate their current and potential team. And it starts with that. And then with that, you can build a process around it. HR has this cheat sheet. And when they're calling people, they go, yep. And I know it could be a 15 minute conversation or an hour, but if they can't say, I think this person has every one of these, we pull the plug. And uh, consultants that we work with has it, the team interviews we have. And then finally, it's me. And I can be part of the interview process, but once they're onboarded, I sit with, when, when we have about six of them ready, 
I sit with them in a room for an hour. I go over where we came from, where we are and where we're going. And I highlight the fact that the only reason we're here and successful is because we share these core values. And, and that's why you're here. And we keep reinforcing that because these, this is the guiding post for making decisions. If you don't know what to do, what's right for the customer? And if, if we can't get it done, how do we do it better? Right? Innovation. And, and so forth. So I guess I, I get excited about this, Alan. I can't help it because it makes it easier to say no to people and, and the cream will rise if you keep, if you keep focusing on these things. It's so interesting. And, and the, the process aspects of what you just described and how to implement that across departments and, and, you know, be consistent uh, throughout, it, it had to be a challenge to implement. And, and you made reference to the people analyzer and that, and that's, I'm familiar a, a bit about that from the EOS, the entrepreneur operating system. How much did that process and, and starting from values and everything involved in that help your company compared to you know how you how you operated before how, how did that really you know implementing a system like company-wide you know make an impact on on how you guys do things and, and and the success you see particularly from a talent perspective oh very much so you, you can't hire 150 people double in size in a year if you don't have that process in place the hr team can hire them independently you know we want to we, we're we want to sell to potential talent as much as we want to evaluate them. And, and, and you, first you have to follow that process of, of making them qualified. So no one's wasting their time on either side, but once they're qualified and they're sort of in the process, we're, we're doing as much selling as we are buying because the, the market is hot and, and the people have choices and, and other opportunities. And it's easy for us because we're just, Again, if you follow, we're very transparent and what we do is exciting. And we don't talk about as much as the specific tasks that a job has, as much as where we're going and what we need to do, because the right person sees opportunity and they're saying, oh, I can do that. I, I can help you get there. I'm that delta that you're missing. And so now the, the process of getting everybody on, on board wasn't as difficult as you think. You know, if you believe in, in, in the core values, and you, and you believe in this sort of template, it's easier because then we all have the same cheat sheet. We, we're talking the same language and, and we can just evaluate them based on, on these metrics. And so the determination is, is consistent. How do you guys as a team, whether it's at your level or, or HR or department level, determine when to leverage a third party for talent recruitment versus handling it in-house with with HR or with specific recruiters, you know, is there a process you go through to, to determine that? Or is it, is it more based on the position or, or if you failed in-house, you go external? Like how do you guys handle that decision-making? I would say we're using third-party consultants for most of the hires sort of manager and up almost all of them. And we, 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 we do value uh, their opinion, but honestly, the biggest value they bring is, is sort of pipeline, is, is lead gen and, and filling the pipeline. So they get our core values. They understand the company as much as the job. They're equally important. And it's a lot of effort and it does take talent to go out and find people with the profile uh, that will fit 
our company and our culture. And so we hire them for that. We're not asking them to run them through some detailed process to tell us if they're the right one. What I want is a pipeline of people coming at us, of potential employees. And, and the right ones are really good at that. And then, and then that makes our job easy because we're looking at what I would call qualified candidates that have preliminarily anyway checked the boxes and then we can get into more details. But we're very transparent about where we're going with, with the consultants and who the next hire is and what order. And so, uh, but we, you, we have to leverage outside help. It would be crazy for us to do it all ourselves. So up till now, most of our conversation has has focused on on bringing in new talent, hiring, attracting. You, you mentioned, you know, it's as much selling in this market as you are evaluating. Let's shift attention a little bit to retaining. Some would say that's more important. You know, in in, in the business world, you know, the 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 best customer are the ones you already you know, the customers are the ones you already have, and I think it's similar with people and and human capital. So. How does your team approach talent retention? You, there's probably some of the things you've mentioned earlier, but are there are there particular tactics that you guys employ? You talked about celebrating wins and, and things like that, and reminding them of of the why at Aerosafe. Are, are there other things you guys have done uh, and implemented successfully to to keep your very best people? I, I spent I think I spend more time doing that now than ever before, and some of it's just spending time with them, obviously with their sort of manager's approval. I'll take time to, to pick, you know, one-on-one breakfast, coffee, something with key people that I'm, I'm, I'm making sure they're okay. That goes a long ways. And open communication, the, the biggest thing is understanding what we call currencies. So what's their currency? Is it money? Is it, is it, is it, is it fun? Is it additional responsibility, personal, professional development? Is it recognition? Is it having their name on the patent? I mean, it, it, and we have examples of all those, but if you don't know that, then, and you're assuming something different, it, it's not, it, it's not rewarding for them. And so just again, being transparent, open, talking about things, where do you want to be? That helps. And, and, and again, understanding that is, is the first step. And then if they're interested in more and they're interested in, in sort of stepping up to the next role or getting a promotion or something then describe what that looks like and say, well, what's stopping you from doing some of that now? That's again, that's, that's very core to our culture is no one's going to get upset with you for doing more. Nobody's going to stepping on toes is fine. As long as you're doing more and, and, and push to do more and you'll get it. And then it'll just come. No one's stopping you from, from improving yourself. So, and if there are barriers, that's what we want to hear about. So it's, there's a little bit of what can I do for you, but there's also a little bit of, hey, what can you do for you? How can you go get more? And, and what's in your way? Because um, when you're growing this fast, you need, you need driven people and, and, and they'll thrive. It's so true. And, and in, in, in my, all facets of, of life, you know, in relationships that people are motivated and respond, you know, differently and, and, you know, in the workplace, certainly no different. And what will be supremely motivating for one could be the opposite for another. And, and really capturing that is, is got to be so critical. Do you guys use any, any like, like personality survey tools uh, or assessments that, that sort of help guide that? And then obviously there's going to be more qualitative through conversations and just getting to know one another. But is there any one, I mean, there's a lot out there, especially today. 
leveraging data. Is there any any one tool that you guys have found more uh, useful to to really understand what what uh, a given employee's currency is? Not one particular tool, but we do work on a lot more open conversation, building trust, building team by by asking questions such as we'll get in a group within a within a department and go around the table and have other people say, okay, Alan, it's Alan's turn. We're going to talk about Alan. What would you want more of from Alan? What would you want less of from Alan? And what would you want same of from Alan? And those are that's a nice way to sort of say strengths, weaknesses, whatever. But it's a conversation you have with everybody in the room and it sort of breaks down the barriers and the most senior person goes first and it's like, whoa, we're allowed to say this stuff? All respectful, of course, but it just starts to open up and say, wow, I didn't realize that I could do that. And then Alan talks about his perspective and, and why he's doing more of less of, same of. And then it kind of gets into the currencies. This is what I like to do. This is what I want to do. This is what I'm trying to do. And so nothing beats communication, transparency and honesty. They can only do that if they feel safe. If they feel like they're in a position where, and everybody is safe. If they're here, they're safe. If, if they're participating and doing the things that, that we, we've all agreed to do. So, so yeah, it's, I, I, don't have a, I don't have a silver bullet, but it, it does take time. That's that's the tough part. When you're running as fast as we are and you say we got to carve out a half an hour to do this soft stuff, really? We got to talk about that? I've got all this other stuff to do. I'm like, yeah, well, you might save two hours next week if you spend a half an hour this week. Yeah, that's got to be, uh, I'm sure that's a challenge when, when you are moving as quickly as you guys are to step back mm -hmm. and look at the things that are more of an investment rather than checking boxes uh, off your to-do list. So I can... I can relate. So similarly along those lines, how do you look at upskilling your current team and, and professional development and, and particularly for more experienced people? I think it, you know, oftentimes, you know, younger, less experienced people are, you know, on, on average tend to be more hungry or, or desirous to maybe go back to school and, and get a degree part time or, or get a professional certification. But how do, you, how do you approach it with some of your more senior people that, that you bring in who, who have maybe 20 years experience, but, you know, is there, is there a push to, to continue learning and continue upskilling? Is it formal? Is it informal? Like how, how do you guys approach that? I do two things with my leadership team. One is I give them access to the board and that's, I mean, I, I love it. I trust my board and, and they, they want to be involved. And so someone in sales should be talking to someone on the board that can help them with with leads and contacts but also professional development in that process and i also have an executive coach that works with every one of my directors and that's that's pretty big it's a, it's an investment but it is it, it is somebody that's outside the company that has no connection to them you know in the org chart and we're all working on the same things we're all working on some of the stuff I talked about and some of the teamwork. And so that that's also very, very helpful. And I, I, it, I didn't believe in it before. I've been doing it about, about nine months now, maybe. And that's, uh, that's been fantastic for the, for the team. So how do you go from not believing in it less than a year ago to, you know, making that investment and, and, you know, bringing that aspect to your executive team. Yeah. I mean, that's a big shift in, in, you know, leadership and managerial style. What, what brought that on? 
well, I was trying to hire a guy and he kept talking about his coach. <laughs> I said, why, why do you keep talking about your coach? I'm not hiring your coach. I'm hiring you. And, but he was, he was just saying stuff like, yeah, you know, this, this guy I know said this and that. And I'm like, okay, that's good advice. But why do you keep bringing up this guy? And, and so I had my doubts and I said, I got to talk to this coach of yours. <laughs> and, and, and I guess I was skeptical because a lot of people, you know, can say they're consultants if they can't get a regular job, let's be honest. But this guy's been around for like 40 years coaching executives. He's seen it all. And so the insight he has, nothing we have is different than anybody. The combination could be a little different, but he's involved in all the hiring of talent. He's involved in all of the interviews that we have at the executive level. And he's helping us with the some of our internal processes. But most importantly, he's helping the executives make sure they're working on things that they personally need to work on. And so, and that, that takes a lot off of my, and I'm helping of course, but it's different and they love the combination. So I got to ask, did you end up hiring that candidate who, who kept referring to, to the coach? Oh yeah. All right. Good. <laughs> oh yeah. So they brought a lot more to the table. It sounds like than, uh, than even themselves they, shifting again topic, but, but all, all as it relates again to, to our, our theme here is talent, but I want to talk about physical space. It, it's such an interesting conversation today, you know, as, as we've, you know, so many businesses went remote or hybrid, you know, and, and the, the role of office space has come into question in business, you know, and across different industries, you know, some have more flexibility than others, but you're nearing the completion of a pretty significant expansion of your Rochester headquarters at a time when many are, are cutting back their footprint. So how does the, the physical, split, physical space really complement your plans for growth and, and where does it play a role at Aerosafe? So, yeah, it's, it's pretty exciting. We're, we're building a real first class office that's got it. It just it's big. It. It's modern. It puts us all in one space. We're spread out in like four different offices right now. It's got all kinds of, of different environments to, to sort of spark creativity and innovation, but also be productive at the same time and by design. And, and I would say space is not critical for an early startup. When I, when I hear, oh, this, this company's building out this fancy space to attract all this talent. If they're here for the space, that's, that's, that's not the right thing. That's not the currency I want. <laughs> I want them here for the job, the purpose, the excitement. And, you know, if they're interested in helping our customers save lives, that's, that's number one. If they're here to create new solutions and find a better way to do so, okay, that's number two. But I couldn't be happier after 15 years to finally give them the space that they deserve. And we know what kind of space we need because we've been doing this for a while. In the beginning, I probably would have designed it differently. They, our employees deserve it, but so do our customers. And they've, we've got like 50 some pharma customers that have been here multiple times through audits and, and innovation sessions and stuff. We actually have a, a dedicated part of this new space just for them to come in and work on new processes and, and, and new products and services. And we call it the innovation. So this. This is going to help us, you know, motivate the existing customers and keep, sorry, employees, help us impress potential customers. And so, and we're, COVID was tough because we are a hands-on developer 
of solutions that it's hard to be innovative and creative when you're when you're virtual. It's not impossible, but it's it, you you don't have these those serendipitous moments where where energy is just flowing spontaneously, and that, that's where some of the the greatest ideas have come from. And if you walk around these offices, you'll see on the glass boards in the in the boardrooms, in the conference rooms, some of the greatest ideas still there. And it's sort of to remind us that things can happen on the fly in random hallways and stuff. Just start writing stuff on glass and, and let's go from there. And that doesn't happen when you're not together in a, in a cool space. Thanks so much. I, I particularly am interested in your comment of on how you would have designed it differently years ago. And, and you know, the time's right where you, you know enough about your business, about your people, about where you're going and the new people you're bringing on and, and how you can really leverage the investment in space to get the most value out of it. Super interesting. And, and by the way, I didn't design it. We did. We, we said who should sit where, who should have an office. And it wasn't like seniority. It's who needs the privacy, who doesn't. And as a group, if you're the right type of group, it's an easy discussion. Let's figure out what's best for the customer. What's best for creativity, innovate, throughput, efficiency. And so that was, that was fun too. Really fun. So it's their own space. I mean, they, they feel ownership over it because they they, own it. Your, your employees had a, had a role in designing it. Absolutely. Excellent. Excellent. What did we miss, Jay? As it relates to all things talent, you know, what, what question did I fail to ask you that you think, you know, aspire entrepreneurs, those who are, who are entering a, a scale up phase of their business that you've been living through for the past, you know, 12 plus months in particular, what, what did I not ask you that, that you think they should know? No, I think, I think it's been an excellent discussion. Pe- people are everything. I mean, you can say, oh, we've got a broken process. Well, if you had the right people, they'd fix it. You know, you can say we have better products. Well, yeah, better people, they develop them. So it's, it's, you can't underestimate the importance of people. And it was another Endeavor entrepreneur, I can't remember who it was, that said, you know, your culture is defined by who you hire and fire, period. And that, that couldn't be a, a more true statement. You can't make culture, but you can see who you are and how you got to where you are and reinforce it by who you hire and fire. So, so no, that's something we take very, very seriously. So I, I love the, I love the content of these podcasts. I think they're, they're incredibly useful for, for starting entrepreneurs. Awesome. Well, we're, we're going to shift a little bit to some of our closing segments here that all of our guests on the, or most of our guests on the multiplier effect get to get to answer. So You've, you've met at least virtually, I don't know if you've gotten to meet in person, our Endeavor's founder and CEO, Linda Rotenberg, but she's always said, call me crazy. Crazy is a compliment. So I'm asking you today, Jay, what has been your most significant call me crazy moment when external people would say, you're nuts, but you said, no, no, this is, this is it. We're going to do this. I guess the first one was the customized box size. Like I said, I'm going to customize whatever my customer wants. If they want a box, you know, two inches by five inches by three inches, I'm making that box. All the competitors said, you're nuts. How You have to standardize. How can you make money if everything's different? I said, because they'll be my customer forever and they won't be yours. So I can use that <laughs> box 50 times. I don't care. As long as I get it back, it's fine. And operations wishes we didn't do that. But I love it. They'll never leave as long as I keep delivering because they can't get anything better. So I think that was 
kind of breaking the breaking the mold there. Reuse was crazy. Nobody really really did it before we did it. And we landed on Reuse Island seven years ago and burnt the ships. We said we're doing this or, or nothing. So that was fun too. And I think dry ice was super crazy because I walked into the boardroom after I had to leave a meeting because CBS called and I said, I think I just signed up for something we don't have any idea how to do. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, I was honest with the customer. I said, we don't do it today, but we might be able to figure it out. And, but yeah, I mean, just listen to the customer and, and do what they need us to do and, and figure it out, be honest, transparent. So I don't see that as crazy. I see that as smart, but I don't know. Most people would say that we're, we're a little customer obsessed. Sounds like it. And that was your first value that you referenced earlier. So clearly you're living it. Um, very cool. Some quick, quick rapid fire questions for you at the end that, you know, often, often come away with some good nuggets for our listeners. So name a company and CEO that most inspires you. Oof. I can't say Linda. You can. <laughs> we'll make sure she listens right now, if you do. Yeah. Right now. Honestly, right now it's Linda because this just having the opportunity to have access to all these amazing leaders and creators and entrepreneurs around the world dealing with similar challenges, but different industries is, is fascinating. It's, it's just fascinating. And so I feel like I have like 50 coaches slash mentors slash partners in crime that gives me my energy that I need to do what I'm doing. And that's not a pitch. That's, that's true. Awesome. What are you reading or perhaps listening to at the moment? Not, not this podcast, but you know, before or after. Well, we're, we just finished traction and that's why you hear me using some of that terminology. And I think that, I think that's an excellent book for us. Traction by it, G, it, Gino it, Wickman, right? Oh yeah. That, that's a great book. You should read it if, if you have it. Yeah. I agree. We, uh, we read that as part of our endeavor USA book club for uh, those of us who participated in that. It was, it was excellent. So I'll, I'll second that. There's some good nuggets in there and some good ways to run meetings and make yourself more efficient. Yeah, it's good. What is some of the best business advice you've ever received? No one in the company is more important than the company itself. No one. Don't be afraid of anybody leaving the company. That's hard when you're small, really hard. Oh my God, if Alan leaves, we're going to fall apart. Well, that's a problem. If that statement's actually true and it's not true. The, you know, focusing on the customer. Another way to say it is pay attention to who's paying the cab fee. There's always shiny objects everywhere else. But if, if you're in a business that's working, don't get too distracted with all of the other things you, you, you think you should be doing. That's a tough one for us because, I mean, we, we live it because there's a lot of other things we could be doing with insulation. So those are two that, that I never forget. Well, Jay, it's been a, a really fun time talking with you today. You shared some, some excellent insights with our listeners. I think they're going to really enjoy it. I had fun as I do just about every time we talk. So I want to thank you again for your time, for everything you, uh, you've been doing for, for the world at AeroSafe Global, but also for our Endeavor Western New York office and, and the broader Endeavor Global Network. So thank you very much. And we'll talk soon. Thanks, Alan. Special thanks to Jay for joining us on the show. For more information about this episode and to register for this year's Endeavor Summit, September 22nd through 24th, head to our website at the multiplier effect podcast.org. 
See you next week for an all new episode.